I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. What we're talking about today is dairy products. And I'm not a big fan of dairy products. Now again, whenever I go over anything, it's always your decision as to what you want to do. I'm giving you what I know. And I always said, if you knew what I knew, you would do what I do. There's a reason why I live the lifestyle that I live. I mean, there are some things that I wouldn't mind including back into my diet. But once you have the education, it's hard to go back because you know what's happening to your body. Now, we talked a lot about what happens with milk, but now I want to go deeper into the effects of hormones that are found in dairy milk and cancer. Now, all food of animal origin contains hormones, but most of our dietary exposure to hormones comes from dairy. So if you had to pick one, dairy is the one that gives you the most. By quantity, it's the most prolactin, uh, corticosteroids, progesterone, but there's also a bunch of estrogens, which then concentrate further when we make dairy products, like five times more concentration in cream and cheese, 10 times more hormone concentration in butter. So let me explain that to you. When you eat milk, it's kind of watered down. Everything is kind of watered down. But when you start to concentrate things down, like cheese, for example, Cheese, well, you take the water out and the, the concentration of the proteins, the steroids, the hormones are there and that's why you're getting a worse exposure. Now, there's something called casomorphines that are found in cheese. So let me ask you a question. How many people have a real tough time giving up cheese? Raise your hands. A lot of you do. And I know this because people say this to me all the time. Dr. Joe, I can give up the alcohol and the sugar and the coffee and the meats and the dairy and, and, and the milk, but I just can't give up my cheese. I love cheese, right? How many people say that? The reason you love cheese may not only be the taste, but also the concentration of something called the casomorphines. When casomorphines are concentrated down, it's morphine. It acts like morphine in your head. You're getting high when you eat that stuff. Now, from a scientific standpoint, I believe, and most scientists believe, that casomorphines are found in dairy products because it calms down the baby. So if I gave you know, human milk to a baby, the casomorphines would calm the baby down. Now, in, when it's diluted in the milk form, for an animal that is uh, size appropriate, it's gonna have a very mild effect. But think about how big a cow is, and think about how big a human is. So the concentration of the casomorphines in cow's milk is gonna be much higher than it would be in human milk. And then we take the water out, concentrate it down to a cheese, and that's why you can't get off your cheese because you're getting high from it. So when it comes to exposure to steroid hormones in food supply, three quarters of our exposure uh, to ingested female sex steroids comes from dairy. The rest is evenly split between things like eggs, meat, and fish. Uh, eggs contribute about as much uh, as all the other meats put together, uh, which makes kind of makes sense since it comes straight from the hen's ovary. It's concentrated with hormones. So meat's bad. Uh, dairy products pretty bad because it's designed. The hormones are designed to feed the baby, and if you're eating an egg, it's a concentrated life form. So that's where you're going to get a higher concentration. Uh, among, the most, uh, among the various types of meat, uh, you get about as much from white meat as fish as poultry. Uh, same thing with pork and beef. It, it's all around the same. And, and this is just the natural hormones. This is what occurs if you ate an organically grass-fed animal. Now, we're not talking about now, well now we are, the added hormones. Things like bovine growth hormone. 
Many times we give bovine growth hormone to cause the animal to either produce more milk. That's one of the things we do with, with cows, to produce more milk. So there, uh, it, it just doesn't make sense to eat any animal product unless it's organic. And I, I wouldn't eat that, but if you're going to eat animal products, they have to be organic. Animals produce hormones because they're animals, which understandably ends up in animal products. I mean, we have hormones in our body. If you ate a human, you'd get hormones from it. But only about half of the people surveyed in this one study they did, knew that. They were lacking this basic knowledge. Uh, like uh, not realizing that milk is for baby cows. Cows only give milk if they have a calf. So these researchers who did this study suggested we ought to inform the public about dairy, dairy production practices, how they're raised, the hormones, the steroids, what they're fed. But uh, one journal, the dairy science, uh, Journal of Dairy Science, responded by saying, well, if we told them about our new technologies, about genetically engineered animals, what we're feeding them, or taking the calf away so that the animal can continue to give milk, or not letting the cows eat grass and feeding them corn and soy, they may actually result in higher rates of uh, public disapproval. Well, gee, we don't want to teach the public because they may not be happy with it. So I'm kind of laughing at that response to the one journal. Now, one thing with potential public health implications that the public may not know is their exposure to estrogen through the intake of commercial dairy products comes from pregnant cows. Because again, a, an animal doesn't give milk unless it's pregnant and, and, and nursing, well, if it's, if it's nursing its baby. Modern technology improved uh, dairy cows such that things like the Holstein, your standard black and white cow, can get impregnated after giving birth and lactate throughout her next pregnancy which usually doesn't happen, you don't lactate until after the baby's born, which means that commercial cow's milk these days contain large amounts of pregnancy hormone, like estrogen and progesterone. Now there's estrogen levels in milk during the first eight months of, of a pregnancy. In the ninth month, those hormone levels shoot up to almost 20 fold. But even so, we're still only talking about a millionth of a gram per quart of milk. Easily 10 to 20 times less estrogen hormones than you'd find, let's say, a birth control pill. So the question arises, I just gave you this big story, I told you it's a millionth of a gram in a quart. Would it really have an impact on human hormone levels if you drink it? Well, let's see if there's any studies on it. <gasps> Wait, there are. There was a study that showed that the average levels of three different estrogen and progesterone uh, metabolites or uh, byproducts flow through the bodies of seven men. They did the test on them. Then they proceeded to drink about a liter of milk. Within hours, their hormone levels shot up. Another study shows average levels of these uh, female sex hormones flowing through the bodies of six school children, average around eight years old, before drinking two cups of milk. Afterwards, within hours, their levels of hormones shot up again, tripling or quadrupling their baseline hormone levels. So you can imagine the effects that milk might have on men and prepubescent children. What about women? Presumably, it's not going to have that big a difference in women because if a woman, uh, women usually are high in estrogen anyway. Uh, well, not all women. What about postmenopausal women? What about women with endometrial cancer, for example? Let's talk about that for a second. This is important. Estrogens have a clear role in the development of endometrial cancer, which is a cancer of the lining of the uterus. And milk and dairy products are the source of steroid hormones and growth factors that might have these kinds of effects. They actually increase the cancer rate. So Harvard researchers follow tens of thousands of women. This is not four men or eight, eight children, whatever. Tens of thousands of women and their dairy consumption for decades. And they found a significantly higher risk of endometrial cancer among postmenopausal women who consume dairy. So the studies are there, folks. Now again, 
Is it going to affect everybody? Maybe not. I don't want to take that chance. We have a big file. I talked about this before. The Dr. Joe is right file. And things we talked about that later on just become mainstream. So these are one of the things that is, I shouldn't even say it's becoming, is going to become mainstream. This is already mainstream information. It's out there. So let's talk about dairy-free benefits and alternatives that you might not even know about. Did you know that the first adverse reaction to cow's milk was actually detailed 2,000 years ago? So it's not new. Once again, we talk about Dr. Joe's right column. This is old stuff. Hippocrates described the first adverse reaction to cow's milk as skin and gastrointestinal symptoms after consumption. So today, cow's milk is among the first foods introduced to an infant's diet, and accordingly, that's one of the first and most common causes of food allergies. Now, here's the problem with food allergens. We talked a little bit about wheat before. We're talking about dairy now. You put these foreign proteins in the body, let's say gluten or casein from milk, gluten from wheat. It gets into the body, and the immune system says, I don't know what that is. I better attach onto that protein and take that and bring it to your lymph glands. And the lymph glands go through a process, and they say, okay, um, is this good? Is it bad? It kind of holds cord. And they say, it's bad. Let's get rid of it. Well, what happens is even if you stop drinking the meat, uh, the milk and the dairy or whatever you're having a reaction to, your immune system already has recognized this foreign protein and will attack it every chance it gets. Here's the problem. Some people's immune systems are not as scientific or specific, I should say, as others. And so they're uh, more general. So if you have a, a protein, and a protein is just a series, everything is just a series of uh, compounds, of chemicals. And so this chemical compound that we call gluten might look similar, in fact, it does look similar, to the lining of your colon. And so what happens is the immune system can now start attacking the lining of the colon because it looks like a bad guy. Maybe it's a cerebellum in your brain. And so even if you stop eating these foods, then the immune system can keep attacking the cerebellum in the brain or whatever organ looks like this foreign protein. So this is where nutrition across the board becomes so important. We got to get the immune system strong and more sophisticated. And when we can do that, then the body hopefully is going to stop attacking itself. And that's why with autoimmune conditions, so often we change their diet, we give them chiropractic care, open up the nerve supply, fix their digestive system, and suddenly these amazing results occur. And people say, this is incredible. It's, it, I, I feel so much better. I'm not, I don't feel sick all the time. My skin is clearing up. I, I don't have a runny nose all the time. <sighs> it's a little complicated, but we can do it. So causes of food allergies, we said in early childhood, uh, can lead many to seek out dairy-free diets. Cow's milk protein uh, is an allergen, and it's common in infants and children, along with something called lactose intolerant. Now, there's casein is the protein, lactose is the sugar. Anything that ends in OSE is a sugar. Now, it requires a dairy-free diet uh, at a time when adequate nutrition is critical. So, children, you're going to take them off dairy. They do better. What do we feed them? That's what we're going to talk about now. Researchers indicate that it's important that parents receive reliable advice and ongoing support about appropriate dairy-free options and alternatives. What does that mean? You've got to learn about what to eat. And that's what this show is all about. And on our website, drjoe.com, we have well over 1,000 hours of podcasts, audio and video. So we got a lot of information out there. So being aware of dairy-free options or foods that contain less lactose helps you and your children adjust to a dairy-free diet. So a dairy-free diet, what is it? People follow a dairy-free diet for different reasons. But for most people, they're searching for relief from digestive problems, bloating, skin conditions, respiratory conditions, uh, and, and they come from eating dairy products. Now, here's the thing with dairy products. I'll give you the challenge again in case you didn't get it the first time. I want you to give up all your dairy products, not even a little bit, nothing, for two weeks. At the end of two weeks, eat it again. See how you feel. If you feel worse, I was right. If you feel better, 
Well, if, if you feel worse, I was right. If you feel better, well, then I wasn't right, but I am right. Once you give up the dairy products, you should see some dramatic changes. Sinuses, breathing, going to the bathroom, gas, bloating. It can help with sexual function because it's lowering your estrogen levels. All these things can happen. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Again, so what? I just want to run that by you again in case you're just tuning in. Now, luckily, there's plenty of plant foods and dairy-free products that you can still put in your body to give you lots of nutrients. The primary source of dairy that you need to avoid when eating a dairy-free diet include, again, milk, cheese, butter, yogurt, egg, ice cream, sour cream, custards, puddings, ice cream, uh, gelato. It's funny. I was in Italy a, a couple of weeks ago, and we found, uh, I found uh, dairy-free gelato, vegan gelato. They had vegan pizza. They had gluten-free pizza. So it's getting everywhere, which is cool. All right, so let's go over some benefits real quick. Less bloating. When you, when you eat dairy products, you're going to get less bloating. And that's wonderful. People that have sensitivities and allergies to bloating itself, it's usually a problem. Cut out the dairy products. It's really kind of neat. Uh, when you start to do this, you start to see some neat things. Better respiratory health. Excessive milk consumption has long been associated with the increased respiratory tract mucus, mucus production, and asthma. Research shows that something called A1 milk stimulates mucus production from gut glands and a respiratory tract. Now, although the research on whether or not milk consumption leads to mucus production, I've heard it both ways, just do it and see what happens. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So what? I'm not wrong. Respiratory symptoms are often reported to people with dairy allergies or sensitivities, so avoiding dairy can be great. Improved digestion because, as we said earlier, 75% of the world's population is lactose intolerant. I, I tend to believe it's probably even higher than that. So sticking to a dairy-free diet guarantees you avoid those digestive symptoms if they're being caused by dairy. Ditching the dairy can help with cramps, stomach pain, bloating, uh, gas, diarrhea, uh, nausea. Dairy has also been uh, labeled a key trigger in irritable bowel syndrome. About two or three times a week, I get an email from one of you, you wonderful listeners, and you say, Dr. Joe, what about IBS? What about irritable bowel syndrome? Got to cut out the dairy, got to cut out the wheat. Chiropractic care is a wonderful adjunct. Open up the nerve supply that go into the colon. If the stomach is pushed up against the diaphragm, that can cause the whole digestive system to spasm. We can massage the stomach down away from the diaphragm. So many times when you have digestive problems, there's a physical component, not just a chemical component. And that's where our offices uh, come into play because we work on the physical and we work on the chemical. Clearer skin, a lot of research showing that it helps with acne. Uh, 2010 study shows that uh, indicates uh, milk contains steroids and that can increase the acne. So if you give up your dairy, the chances are that acne is going to help as well. Most skin conditions come from the inside out. So you don't have to treat it from the outside in. You got to fix the gut. It may reduce the risk of cancer. We talked about that a little bit. Researchers show that consuming milk products may increase your risk of developing cancer. A study out of Harvard uh, found that high calcium intake, mainly from dairy products, may increase your risk of prostate cancer. So that's not something you want to mess with either, boys. And some doctors say that if you, take, uh, if you, uh, if you live long enough, your chances are you're going to have prostate cancer. I'm not sure I agree with that. Most people, that may happen, but I don't think it's going to happen in everybody. So, Because milk produces something called insulin-like growth factor, increases your insulin-like growth factor, which then can cause uh, risk of cancer problems. It decreases oxidative stress. What that means is oxidation is kind of like rust. It eats away at your body. So by decreasing the oxidative stress, uh, you're less likely to become osteoporotic. We talked about that earlier, too, how it can actually reduce the risk of fractures. The more dairy products you consume, the higher the risk of osteoporosis. Okay, they did studies on men and women on this. Um, it's pretty clear. So just, just try to cut out the milk if you can. 
Um, so a lot of things can happen. Prevent milk allergies and sensitivity reactions. The only true cure for milk allergy is to avoid milk and dairy products. So again, if you don't have a problem with it and you're not convinced that you should give up the dairy products, that's perfectly fine. I support your decision 100%. But when you cut out the dairy products and you see the changes, which chances are you will, Dr. Joe was right. Probiotics and digestive enzymes may help people with digest, digesting the milk proteins, but the majority of people ditching the culprit food is the only answer. Now you can take things like Dr. Joe's digestive enzymes. People have said, Dr. Joe, I take your enzymes and I don't have the reactions like I used to. That's great, but what is that doing? That's treating the cause, it's not treating the symptoms. So what we're trying to do is get to the cause of the problem, not just treat the symptoms. Now you can ferment some of those things, you can ferment the dairy, and that might help a little bit, but that's not really what we're going for. Once again, giving it up is gonna be the secret. Now, if you do breastfeed, if you do breastfeed, ladies, that's the most important thing you can do for your children. If there's nothing else you do, of course, I think chiropractic care is right up there, and then breastfeeding. Because the baby is designed to drink human milk. And it's really important you give them the first milk. It's called the colostrum. Because that helps your immune system. It helps the digestive system. So if you're going to have a baby, if you do nothing else, please, I'm begging you, I want you to breastfeed that baby. That's what babies need. And then as you start to wean them off, uh, you can get them onto some solid foods, but don't give them the hyperallergenic foods. Don't give them the dairy. Don't give them the soy. Uh, give them something gentle like an avocado or a banana and start out slow and then build up to these other foods. Because the earlier it's put into the body, the more likely they're going to have a reaction. Now, some people say they can do goat's milk. Uh, they say, what about goat's milk? I shouldn't say they can do it. What about goat's milk? <sighs> it's still an animal product. It's not bad. Uh, it, no, it's not as bad as dairy, but it's still not good. So if you, it, it, uh, it has reduced levels of casein, it, ha it doesn't have the A1 protein, it has the A2 protein, but still, it's still a dairy product, and I'm gonna recommend you cut it out. And the other thing like we talked about too is just be careful, because you don't know what these things are eating unless you know it's an organic product. And once you pasteurize it, that causes problems too, because when you pasteurize things, I'm not saying you shouldn't pasteurize milk, that's very healthy, but it changes the molecular structure, and makes it harder to digest. If you fed pasteurized milk to a baby cow, that cow would die in a few weeks. It can't even drink its own mother's milk once it's pasteurized. And we're not cows, so we have a real tough time with it. Coconut milk, uh, one of the best dairy-free options. It's one of my favorites. Uh, it's naturally found inside the coconut, so you can you know, do that if you want to get real coconut milk freshly from the, from the coconut. Or you can actually buy coconut milk. They, they take the meat of the coconut, they thicken it, sometimes they add some sweeteners to it. It's dairy-free, lactose-free, soy-free. Although cow's milk contains more protein and calcium than coconut milk, you can easily make that up by eating a good diet. Things like broccoli, kale, watercress, bok choy, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds. <gasps> that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Coconut milk's a good source of important nutrients like uh, uh, magnesium, manganese, uh, copper, phosphorus, iron, potassium. That's the thing with milk too. If you feed a baby human nothing but cow's milk, many times they become anemic because it doesn't have enough iron in it. One study published in the Western Medical Journal found that medium chain triglycerides in coconut milk provide a ready source of energy and may be useful in baby foods or in dietary therapy. So here we're getting some good nutrients you're not gonna get from cow's milk. Coconut milk is high in calories and fat. While the fat is definitely a healthy type, portion control is important. Again, you're working toward making the body grow, but you don't want it to grow too big. Almond milk, a lot of vital nutrients in almonds. Um, they're low in saturated fats, rich in sat uh, unsaturated fatty acids, contain uh, a little bit of fiber, uh, phytosterols, which can help lower your cholesterol level. 
as well as plant protein. In addition to this, almond milk contains probiotic compounds that help with digestion. It can detoxify your body. Healthy bacteria growth can be benefited from drinking things like almond milk. Now, there's not going to be a lot of almonds in almond milk. So even though it's good, it's not a wonderful health food. Okay? So you can, we find that infants tolerate it pretty easily. Soy-based formula can be a little bit of a challenge, uh, and that's why almond milk might be a, a better choice. Almonds are pretty hypoallergenic. Again, not a big fan of the soy milk. Um, uh, if you're going to do soy of any type, make sure it's organic. Uh, you don't want to have non-organic soy in there because you, you have other issues. Now, kefir is another form of fermented milk. It's technically a dairy product, but when it ferments, it breaks down a lot of those proteins. Now, I'm not a fan of kefir because it's still a dairy product. And here's the thing with kefir and yogurt, because everybody's going to ask me this question. What about kefir and yogurt? Well, it does have probiotics to make it ferment. However, I know in Georgia, at least, and around the country, I'm guessing it has to be, unless you make it yourself, it has to be pasteurized. And when you, Even though they ferment it and all the good bacteria in there, once they pasteurize it, they kill off a lot of that good bacteria. And so that's not something one do. A 2003 study uh, published in Journal of American Dietetic Association found that kefir improved lactose digestion and tolerance, and it may be used as a strategy to overcome lactose intolerance. My approach would be avoid the lactose. Well, there's a novel idea. And you can do kefir with coconut milk. Uh, you can do almond, uh, almond milk um, yogurt, coconut milk yogurt. If you have to have that, that's great. But I prefer you make it yourself. Because if you make it yourself you know that it's going to have good stuff. There's another product that's called uh, Amasai, I think it is, or Amasai, I think it's pronounced. I've only seen it written. I've never heard, seen it said. Um, it's a traditional uh, fermented milk beverage, very similar to kefir. Once again, same thing. It's still a dairy product. So even though you break it down, that's wonderful, but it, it's still going to have a dairy product. You probably still have some reaction to it, especially if you're sensitive to it. So I wouldn't recommend it uh, as your primary choice because it's not really a good thing. Um, now, you can do uh, things like Dr. Joe's probiotics, which are good bacteria, if that's what you're shooting for. If you're shooting for the dairy products, you're shooting for whatever, uh, you know, you're taking the yogurt or the kefir for probiotics, Dr. Joe's probiotics are on the website, drjoe.com. I take one of those every day. If you take a lot, you might get some diarrhea, but chances are you're not going to overdose on probiotics. And if you do, it's not going to be deadly. I mean, you have to take a lot of them, I guess, to have that problem. But I take one a day, and I'm good with that. Uh, and if you're eating a good diet, you're also getting something called prebiotics. Prebiotics are the food that feeds the bacteria. It's not the bacteria. It's feeding the bacteria that's in your colon so that they can reproduce. So if you're eating a good diet consisting of a lot of fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, you're going to get prebiotics. I even put prebiotics in Dr. Joe's uh, super greens, an essential source. Well, in the essential source, there's some in the super greens. But the essential source, we add probiotics and prebiotics so that it helps with the digestion. And if you look at the formula of the super greens and the essential source, I put this together knowing what most people are lacking. We take fruits and vegetables, uh, dry, uh, juice it, take the water out at a real low temperature, keeping the enzymes active. You heard me talk about enzymes before. Then we had prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, a complete multivitamin. That's the essential source. That's why it's called get your essential nutrients from the source, fruits and vegetables. See how smart I was when I named that? And then super greens has a lot of nutrients in it to alkalize your system and give you a lot of minerals to help attack acids in the body. Plus, it has omega-3 fatty acids in it. So I take a scoop of super greens and a scoop of essential source every single day. I think you should too because it's the minimum nutrients you should take every day. And the biggest complaint I get, you've heard this before, the biggest complaint I get from my patients is why didn't I do this sooner? 
Something as simple and inexpensive as Super Green's an essential source every day. It's way cheaper than buying a cup of coffee, and I feel great. And a lot of people tell me this, I can't afford not to take your supplements, Dr. Joe. And the first time it happened, I said, I don't understand, what do you mean? Because when I take the supplements, I eat less, I feel better, I work harder, I sleep less. When I do sleep, it's a good sleep. There's no downside to getting healthy, folks. It really isn't. So we talk about the seven deadly sins, alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, and artificial sweetener. Again, whatever you do is up to you. It's 100% your decision. But I can give you information so that you can make better choices. So when it comes to dairy, there's tons of substitutes out there. Years ago, we didn't have vegan cheese. We didn't have uh, vegan yogurt and vegan ice cream. There's even ice cream now that's vegan, sweetened with stevia. So it takes the sugar and the dairy out. Ding, 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 ding. If you have to have ice cream, that's what I'd recommend. Folks, I'm running out of time. If you're just tuning in, you missed an amazing show. Now, this show is on the website, drjoe.com. We have over 1,000 hours of podcast there, audio and video. And we have a blog if you're a reader. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. We live stream a lot of our events. We have live events. We invite you through Facebook and Instagram. Or send us your email address, and we'll put you on our invite list as well. And if you want to make an appointment to come see us, I think you should. Most of you out there are suffering needlessly. If you have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, headaches, numbness, tingling, folks, it's probably a pinched nerve. Could be something else. But let's start with the most effective, least expensive treatment for back pain, chiropractic care. If that doesn't work, if it's not something we can help, we'll refer you out. The supplements we talked about, all of them are on the website, drjoe.com. So you can make an appointment right on the website, the Atlanta area. We have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge. We want to be your doctors. We want to get you well and keep you well. Again, I'm Dr. Joe Esposito. The website, 24 hours a day, drjoe.com. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on WSBRadio.com and on the WSB Radio app.